0: Welcome to Canada's Podcast. Hi, this is Celine Williams, hosting from Ontario for Canada's Podcast. My guest today is Victoria Marshman. She is the co founder of Maven Shea, a luxury ergonomic slipper brand designed for women by women. Victoria is an entrepreneur, marketer, community leader, and dance educator. She has operated and scaled two six figure companies since 2015 and has helped raise over 250,000 for local Canadian charities through charitable events. Welcome, Victoria.
1: Thank you for having me, Celine.
0: Absolutely, it's my pleasure. I have many questions about the variety of things that you have done. I think it's really interesting. But I'm going to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about your journey to getting which will, I'm sure hit some of these things to getting to what you're doing now with you know with Maven Shay how did this journey unfold for you
1: yeah well um my journey as an entrepreneur actually started uh during university um i went to the university of toronto and uh dance has always been a passion of mine i actually was a professional dancer for many many years before i went to university and unfortunately that ended dramatically with a bad injury.
0: I, um, amazing how often that is the truth for dance and sports. It's just. Dance
1: and sports, I am quick, um, but I was able to continue training while I was at UFT uh, as a pre-med student. And it was on the dance team actually, that I met my now co-founder Danny Kagan. Um, so we ended up becoming co-captains of the dance team, which was kind of like our pre-entrepreneur journey, Mm. (laughs) running our cute little dance team together. Um, but we shared a lot of similar passions. And one of our biggest passions was events and bringing the community together. Uh, so fast forward over a decade, we built and scaled two events based businesses in Toronto. Uh, one of our signature events, City Moguls, uh, brought the entrepreneur community together actually to celebrate top entrepreneurs in a runway show for charity. And we were climbing, climbing, climbing. And, you know, we loved doing events and bringing the community together. And we're starting to scale and had a large team. And then the pandemic hit. And like so many other uh, businesses, our business went from hundred to zero, like overnight. Yeah, um, Cause everything we were doing was in person who really was all about that, that in-person connection. So during that, those early days of the pandemic, which feel like a long time ago now, um, we kind of, we had a decision. We could wait and see what happened in the event industry, or we could try something else um and we took the pandemic as a blessing in disguise and used that time to think about what products we felt like we were missing during the pandemic mm. and it was a multitude of things that happened all at once but it was being at home for the first time working from home that was so new for so many of us um my co-founder Danny she got pregnant during the pandemic and was experiencing a lot of like excruciating back, hip, and knee pain, which a lot of women have during pregnancy. Yep. And one thing led to another and we kind of had an aha moment that there's not really proper footwear designed for people to wear at home. Slippers. Like slippers are typically frumpy. They get real stinky. I don't know about yours, but mine get super stinky. <laughs> and they're not supportive. They're not made to support you all day. So that kind of started our journey during the pandemic to create the dream slipper, something that we really wanted during the pandemic and we didn't have.
0: um, that it's I, so it's really interesting to go from events to products, right? Like that's a big I'm a shift. there's i like I'm curious what you learned, took from running events that he was able to translate to kind of a product based uh endeavor or or versus like what was completely not applicable or brand new in this product world where you were like I we had not thought of that because that was just not in our realm of awareness prior.
1: <laughs> yeah. Huge pivot. <laughs> like no no connection at all. Um so yes, the pivot from being a service-based, to a product-based entrepreneur, was steep. However, Mm. the biggest thing I've learned is there's a lot of things that you can carry with you um, regardless of what type of your business that you're in. Number one, our operations and how to build a team and find the right people to support us, those skills are like invaluable and doesn't matter what type of business you're in, You know what your zone of genius is and what you're good at and figuring out the people that you need to help you with all the other buckets for us creating a product was like, we've never done this before. We need support. We need mentorship. We need a a footwear expert. Um, That was like a big bucket for us to fill. So that like operations piece, I feel like really transferred nicely for us and um we were marketers by trade even in our events because we built and scaled our own events like we created events from scratch we invited people we got hundreds of people out so we knew how to build community on social media and get people excited about something instead of it being like an in-person event it was a product so there has been a lot of skills that have transferred over, but my gosh, the journey to create a product from scratch. Now that I've gone through it three years in, because it took us literally three years from idea to like product being in our hands. I have a tremendous amount of respect for any other entrepreneur who also does that because it is a long journey.
0: It's, it's a, I have not done it so (laughs) products are i definitely work more in the service world but i yeah i know who have done it it's there's so many iterations of something that you're not even thinking about ahead of time you're like oh make a few changes and it'll work out perfectly and then so many iterations and so many you know testing things and that's what i've heard from other people is like you can't even imagine how many times you're gonna be like that's on it that's on it that's on it to get to what is it
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, especially when it comes to a technical product, like the biggest thing for us that we were frustrated with, which was why we started, which what why we created the slippers was because they're like the slippers we had our entire lives were like these frumpy pleat pieces of foam, and we actually ended up bringing a podiatrist onto our team, who's a foot expert, and she was an incredible resource in educating us on all the things that you're we are supposed to have high arch support, deep heel cut, um, made with materials that are breathable and moisture wicking so they don't get stinky. And especially for women, if women are listening, I'm sure they are. We have so many things we also have to deal with. We're way more susceptible to plantar fasciitis because we're forced to wear high heels and shoes that are really bad for our feet. And as we get older, our arches actually flatten over time, like women's feet. Men don't have this issue, but our arches flatten over time due to menopause and just going through life changes. So we really have to be conscious of A, wearing supportive footwear and B, having that arch support because we're going to be dealing with not just foot issues, but back, hip, knee issues. So yeah, it, you, we once you get into like the technical elements of creating a product you realize how many things you actually have to put in and it took us 12 iterations of our prototype to get to a place where we were like this is okay it's not perfect but this is okay
0: yeah crazy a lot lot of iterations it's a lot of iterations yeah Um, so I'm curious, you mentioned building community was one of those things, one of the things that translated. And I think in today, more than ever, building community is something that, and I, you know, I recognize it's something that we've been talking about for a long time, but I think today more than ever, as people are still working from home, as how people connect, it has, in my opinion, permanently changed in some ways for better or worse. There are some changes that are, I think going to continue to be ongoing Mm -hmm. um building community is more and more of of a topic of conversation i have found with entrepreneurs how do we build community how do you sustain community how do you you know whether it's start or pivot or whatever where where community's at and i'm curious in an event-based business, in a service-based business, there that in-person connection can sustain a community in a very specific way. And you can build a community around that connection, that in-person, that like, you know, similar interests, whatever the case may be. How did that, how was building a community around a product similar or different? Because I would imagine I mean, I'm guessing, I might be wrong that you're not like we're doing these big in-person t- in-person events around shoes maybe <laughs> but i i would guess that's not a big piece of building a community for a product
1: yeah yeah well i think where people get it wrong is it's not about the product like we could be doing water bottles we could be doing notebooks we could be doing anything but i think at the end of the day um when you're building a brand period, regardless of if you're offering a service or a product or anything, when you're building a brand, you have values that you stick to as that brand and you attract people that your brand's values align with. And um, for us, community has always meant bringing people together around the values that we're trying to put into the world so for us with maven shay our biggest values are helping women live more confident lives so you know what can we do to support the women in our community to feel more confident because we know when a woman is stepping into their day with more confidence They're showing up as their best selves. They're feeling empowered to be there for their families and friends more. They're putting themselves first. They're investing in themselves. So confidence is a big thing for us. And a lot of the messaging and marketing and conversations we have online are about confidence and how we can and tools and resources that we can give people to live more confidently. So we really take like a look at each of our values and build community around that. And that, you know, we're encouraging women not just to invest in proper footwear, but like invest in themselves, like do things that make you feel good and help you take care of yourself so that we can take care of others and, you know, help everyone else in our lives. But it, it's we're often always putting ourselves in the backseat, though. So um I think like that's one example I can give yeah. is like yeah. really knowing your brand's values and building community around that.
0: So I know one of the things that you know when I when I uh read your intro, one of the things that's in there is the um like raising money for Canadian charities. Is that part of the brand values? Is that part of the the work that you do? with the organization like with the companies that you started or is that something that is your own personal value that you've put your time and effort or it could be it could also be both i recognize that
1: yeah yeah i think yes co-founder values usually percolate into your brand's values but yes uh for my co-founder danny and i giving back has always been a big part of what we do not just through doing events to raise funds for charities but also mentorship and supporting other entrepreneurs and women um uh, for maven shea we wanted to do something that was intentional around giving back so uh, we have a partnership with an organization called Souls for souls and they are they have an upcycle program that allows you to donate uh, footwear your gently used footwear to people who really need it Um, so we've done a lot of uh shoe fundraisers we're also integrating a way to actually donate your pair of shoes uh, when you purchase from us at checkout so like also pulling in that sustainability angle and also giving people because footwear is an incredibly valuable thing to have when um, you're at risk or on the streets. Like it's one of the most important things to have. So both our souls felt really aligned with everything that we were doing.
0: It's, it's, it's really interesting because um, there's a few organizations that I support, especially around Christmas where it's about like giving um, like shoe boxes and gifts to people who are at risk unhoused whatever the case may be and it's really interesting cuz the things that they're like we always get asked for are socks underwear you can't give shoes in that but it's the stuff that is really basic like shoes socks like these things that we don't think about necessarily as being the most valuable for people who are at risk and it is those basics and i think that i can absolutely see the alignment with something like souls for souls and what you're doing so i think it's really yeah. cool that You've built out a partnership with them.
1: Yeah. And just for Danny and I as people, like we are big on mentoring and um, our previous organization, City Moguls, that was a big part of our ethos was, you know, we're in this together, especially as entrepreneurs. So uh, we have many people we mentor, many people mentor us, and we are really big into supporting one another. But that's what it's about.
0: So I'm curious. Is I know you said city moguls, and there was another prior to that, presumably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned two. Are either of those still up and running? Did you pivot them entirely? Shut them down during the pandemic? Like what? What ended up being the end result of that? Because I and I ask that just so you have context. We hear so often um, from people who had a certain business during the pandemic, or were starting a certain business and paused it or restarted it or pivoted it or don't know what to do with it now. And, you know, whether it's still running or not is not really the point so much as what was your experience in sorting that out and the end result? Because I think the more we talk about that, the less shame people have about whether theirs did or didn't work the more understanding they have about the variety of choices that people were making inside of these businesses and these organizations. And and I just, I think it's a really valuable conversation to have because you went through it very specifically, pandemic or not, it could have switched for, it, you know, but definitely that affected it.
1: Yeah, I love this. And I think it's so important. We pull back the curtain more on what happens in these big moments of transition and how to get through it so um for us with city moguls like i said we were running in-person event we did panels talks and then we had like our signature award show um that got hundreds of people out so when the pandemic hit um we didn't have the idea yet for the slippers that was yeah. kind of like an evolving idea through 2020 and 2021, Um, but through the pandemic, we acted really fast on city vocals because we were in community leader mindset and we're like, wow, we're going through this. All of the other entrepreneurs in our community must be going through this. We gotta like help people get together and create ways for people to talk and stay connected through this. So literally in like, a month of the pandemic hitting, we launched a mastermind program called Mogul Cruise. And it was an online mastermind group. And this was before like people were doing, I feel like this is pretty common now, but this was like, we were one of the only ones doing this. So we launched a mastermind group where entrepreneurs of like six to eight people would meet weekly and we organized the whole thing. Um, And within uh, three months of us, just running that cohort, we started doing some online networking events and some online talks and panels. And that led to us uh, three months into the pandemic actually launching an online membership community for city moguls. So we built out mentorship, a mastermind and networking and at all types of events through the pandemic. So 2020 was actually a great year for city moguls. We managed to pivot and build this online membership community through that time and had about 200 members in our first year. That's and then amazing. 2021 happened. Yeah, it was great. And then 2021 happened. We were still uncertain about the in-person stuff. So we continued to build the community online. But for us, Nabe and Shay was also taking off. And we really saw the opportunity and were so passionate about creating this product, we were starting to be pulled into um, the Maven Shea world, but still operating city moguls. And then 2022 came and we were like, it, there was still, it was weird. It, early 2022, there was still uncertainty about what was going to happen, especially Absolutely. in Canada and in-person stuff. So in 2022, we made the difficult decision to pause all the programming because Maven Shea was really taking off. And I love that you brought this up because for us, it's we there has been a little bit of guilt and shame around it because a big part of us still loves that business. And we're trying to figure out do we sell it? Do we try to get it acquired? Like, what do we do? This community is so beautiful, and we want to see it continue. And we're still kind of it's still kind of up in the air. And people ask us all the time and we're so all in on Maven today right now that we just don't know what to do.
0: Um,
1: but we 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 know that there's still something there potentially in the future. We just don't know what.
0: Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that so openly because I think it is, it is tough. And people have a lot of different feelings in moments like that. And I think especially when there's a community element where it's like, am I letting people down? right? Like it becomes, there's so much more that comes up when there are people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I feel like when you're in service-based businesses where you're like giving something to people and it's improving and helping their lives, like you hold a lot of, like you feel responsible. So that decision that day we had to decide to pause was like in in my day, in my days of like the highs and lows of entrepreneurship, that was like one of the lowest because, yes, I felt like I was letting our community down. I felt like we had tried so hard during the pandemic to figure it out. But, you know, we this this little product, this cute little slipper that we were so passionate about needed our one hundred percent attention to be to be finished and put in the world. so. We have to make diff- difficult decisions all the time. And I think one of the biggest things I learned in that experience is really as an entrepreneur, you, you can't tie yourself worth to the decisions you have to make in your business because in my early days, I would let it like really impact me personally. So I'm that's something I'm always working on. It's like, okay, I have to make this decision for her, for Maven Shea, Shay, not for Victoria, but for for the business. You know, it's hard.
0: I mean, Yes. The, so much of the work that I do in my business is around separating that, you know, things aren't personal and we can't take things, we can't one, make things personal, but we also can't take things that happen personally because it's so rare. It's so rare that things are actually personal, but because we're in our own experience, we make it about us. And I think mm-hmm. continuing, you know, to do that work as an entrepreneur, to your point, to separate those things out and be like this isn't about me it isn't personal it's not it has to be like about looking at the situation without that lens the more we can do that the I mean I think healthier mentally we are we are but also the easier it is to navigate the world
1: yes definitely feel lighter going through the day not not but carrying you know, that backpack of rocks (laughs) of all the burden. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, so I'm curious, you mentioned the highs and lows of entrepreneurship, and this was one of the lows. What for you have been some of the highs and, or some of the lows that you're like, there was a lesson in here. And this was my lesson from these lows. Cause this one, it's very, you know, that kind of separating of victoria and business sounds like a lesson inside of this low reinforced it at least
1: yeah i i'm i love talking about the lows because i feel like those are where we learn the most things about ourselves um and you know also trying to not fall into the highs and the lows and really trying to stay level-headed is like that's a whole other conversation. Yes. <laughs> but um, you know, on our journey with Maven Shea, um, we've we it, it's a different type of business. And one of the biggest things I think from being a service-based entrepreneur to product is service-based. You can often bootstrap and really scale it yourself with like your own fund. When you're creating a product, it does require like some kind of capital, um, and cr- raising money to really get it off the ground. It's quite costly to create a product from scratch and hire the right people to make it right. Um, So we had to raise a round of capital um, and the highs and the lows of navigating the investor journey, especially as two female founders who had never done it before, creating a product for women gosh did we have a lot of lows and learning like you know i i never felt the the male patriarchy in entrepreneurship honestly until i got into rooms with men where we were pitching a women's product like i think some of our lowest lows were the like the outcomes of those conversations and kind of having those realizations like wow this is still a problem yeah and i'll be perfectly honest like we were out going after angels investors and all of these people just doing our own research trying to find people that would you know invest in navy and shay and be a part of our um cap table and nine out of the ten people we were speaking to were white men
0: mm-hmm. yes yes
1: so I don't know if this is a low, but I think it's been a big learning journey on how far we need to go, still go. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's definitely lit a fire under my co-founder, Dani butt because it's, we want to be successful so that we can eventually be the female investors supporting the next generation of women entrepreneurs, because it was so hard defined capital as two
0: women.
1: So some uh, of my biggest lows were during that time.
0: (laughs) No, I, so I just want to, I really appreciate you sharing that because it is, uh, we, I think that conversation is had amongst women, amongst female entrepreneurs sometimes. And I think it's often a like, hey, it's going to be tough to raise capital if you're doing that as a female. But I don't think we really get into how problematic it is and how um, having, so I've mentored some female run companies that were looking for funding and Mm -hmm. the amount of education they would have to do when they're stepping into a room of men, often white men, but pretty much all men when they're, W- looking at a, a a product that is for women, whatever it is, whether it's makeup, which many women wear, it should be clear that there is a demand for makeup. There is a demand for skincare. There is a demand for shoes that you know er- that fit ergonom. There's a demand for good quality clothes. Whatever it is, if it's a product, the amount of education that they have to do when they're stepping into that room of men because they just Have no, whether intentionally or not, awareness of the market for women is an added burden that men don't experience when they step in those rooms.
1: Yeah. And I think the stat still to this day is out of all the venture capital in Canada, only 2.9% of it goes to women. 2.9%. Yep. And all the things you said are 100% t- true. You have to go in knowing way more than our male counterparts. Mm-hmm. We have to go in proving, you know, X, Y, and Z and like having done so much more research. Um, so it really does test your, you know, confidence, strength, intelligence on like so many other levels When it re- when it really shouldn't have to, you know. Like you said, we shouldn't really have to justify the need for supportive footwear, m- makeup, intimate, you know, anything to do with periods. Like these are things 50% of the world has to deal with.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I've said this many times Is I would, I think about companies that are male led that have got astronomical amounts of funding. And I'm like, I would bet they didn't, I mean, I'm going to pick on Uber. I bet they didn't have to say like, we have all of these test cases and proof that people are going to want to ride in cars with strangers. Mm -hmm. Men were like, oh, I can, and I'm picking on Uber. I'm not saying it, but you know, it's like, I can see how people would want to get in a car and have a ride. That's not a taxi, but the minute it involves something that is. Pertains to women. It's like, Really, a thing about It's big for yeah. the population. Is that
1: really necessary? Like, okay. do women really need that? You know, I can't tell you how many times we heard that. So, one of our strategies for any women out there that are raising capital <laughs> is we would strategically ask a male investor, "We're like, is your wife around? Is your girlfriend around?" We would ask them to be in the room while we were pitching. Because we knew if the woman heard our pitch, she'd be like, "Oh my God, stole like you have to invest in this honey like it sounds so like superficial, but it's true, like we needed that woman that female energy to be able to explain to the man how important, it
0: is. yeah, I think that's I mean good for you for figuring that out and for doing it yeah that is that is a good tip. It's a real yeah. tip,
1: yeah, real yeah. Tip. I have many more and I'm open to sharing them all because it just, I, I didn't, we didn't realize we were, what we were getting into. And it was, it's an essential part of our business to raise capital because of how quickly we want to grow and scale. So.
0: So I'm going to ask this question before we wrap up is, are there one or two kind of key tips that come to mind that you're like, these are my top couple of things that I would say based on your experience that i would want other especially female entrepreneurs to know stepping into this
1: um for female entrepreneurs especially in the product space um if you really want to build a multi-million dollar business you have to have access to capital and there's three ways to do it number one you can do a crowdfunding campaign So you can rally a community around your product through something like Kickstarter, Indiegogo. You can do it yourself. And this allows people to give you small amounts of money to build that product. We actually did a Kickstarter actually about a year ago this time and raised about 50K in 30 days, which was incredibly valuable for us in those early days and getting the product off the ground. So I would highly recommend doing a Kickstarter or crowdfunding campaign would be my number one suggestion. Number two, before you start raising capital, find a mentor who has walked in your shoes and done it before and, or join some type of accelerator. Um, my co-founder and I, Danny, we were a part of, um, the movement 51 accelerator, and it's a three month program that's free. Uh, To join, you just have to apply and they literally prime and prep you to pitch to investors, your budget, your pitch deck, helping you with connections, everything. So that was an incredible resource. So do a crowdfunding campaign, join an accelerator like the 51 or get a mentor. Number three, I would say there's a lot of grants and resources, not so many for products, but if, especially if you're in certain industries or tech spaces, there is a lot out there. And uh, the Grant Sherpa is a great organization that helps you actually connect with people um, who can help you get those loans and access to free money, which we all need.
0: Free money is great. Yes um thank you for for those tips those that's super super valuable i really appreciate (laughs) it and i appreciate the time you took to chat with me and to share it openly it's yeah great victoria thank you very much
1: thank you celine and uh always an open book if anybody wants to connect
0: with me so and you can connect with victoria on instagram she's at victoria underscore marshman or maven Shay, uh which will be in the podcast notes, you can check it out there. And Maven Shea has kindly uh, offered listeners an exclusive discount. The code will be in the notes as well in the in the podcast notes, so you can get it there. and You should definitely check them out. Yes. Um, and thanks to all of you for listening to Canada's podcast. Like, comment, and subscribe to all our channels to get the latest podcasts from entrepreneurs across Canada.